Welcome to another edition of The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And I'm Tom Yoder. We're the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. Today we're standing next to the Mancus River, and uh, it's a lovely morning. It's uh, no, not a cloud in the sky. Not a single cloud in the sky. This is a Colorado blue sky day. Butterflies are flying around too. <laughs> it's very idyllic. I think I saw a unicorn in the river. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> the story you're about to hear was told by Carson Jones at our live storytelling event in May when the theme was baggage. Carson Jones is a country girl with a cosmopolitan eye. Born in North Carolina, raised in Texas, and polished in Paris and the great cities of the USA and beyond, she's traveled the globe camera in hand and now personifies the artistic revolution happening in Durango, Colorado. Here's Carson's story. see any of you and I'm happy about that. <laughs> Maybe a few in the front. Um, I'm McCarson, like Tom said, and my story starts at age 12. And I am standing in line at the Piggly Wiggly Grocery Market in Texas with my mother. And there are a few, you know, a collection of women behind me and a beautiful woman with two children in front of me. And that was actually the first time that I recognized or felt racism. And I didn't really know what to do with it because what was happening behind me, the women behind me were making fun of the beautiful black woman in front of me. And it's the first time that I actually heard the word nigger. That actually the first time I ever heard anyone um, really complain about someone's appearance, the color of their skin. And while she was digging through her coin purse, trying to pay for her groceries, you know, they were laughing at her and saying she probably doesn't even have money, she's probably on welfare, all of this horrible stuff. And so as a 12-year-old, I'm standing there, and my mom's standing there too, and I think, if I can hear these women behind me, I'm sure that the woman in front of me can hear this too. Well, she paid for her groceries and left, and at that moment, I really started feeling the pain of people of a different color and that they didn't have this power of being white, like we all do. And so fast forward to high school, I kind of, my fascination with this whole phenomenon of humanity and equal rights really blossomed. And I wanted to learn as much as I could from African-American leaders or entertainers. And so in my bedroom, I had like Nelson Mandela posters and Michael Jackson, you know, those are my two idols at that time. And um, my mother could never understand, you know, but um, those were what I had on my walls. And from that time period, going into going to college, it, it blossomed even more. And so I went to school to not study photography, but to study social work. And I double minored in sociology and African-American studies. My family was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, why are you doing, why are you studying this? And at that point, I was very happy to say, well, I'm paying for it, so I can go and take whatever class I'd like. And um, I really, really enjoyed that education through college. And I learned so much about the culture, the suppression, the victories, the, you know, just so much more about the civil rights than I ever had possibly could have even learned in high school or anything like that. And so the time came 
to when it was time to graduate from college. And I thought, you know, this is my purpose. My purpose is to connect with people and to really reach out to um, a body of people that need support and love, and how can I do that? And through my love of culture and people of a different skin color, I thought, you know what? I'm going to join the Peace Corps. I'm going to do it. I'm going to sign up, and hopefully they'll accept me, and I'll get to join. And I'll get to go afar and be away from my family and do what I really want to do and believe in my purpose and do it. And so I sent in my application and um, got a beautiful letter of acceptance. And then graduation came. And that felt really good, you know? So I was like, okay, my life's on track. I'm feeling good about this. And so two weeks after that, the man that I had been dating proposed. And I thought, shit. Um, I have Peace Corps, purpose, love, humanity, <sighs> marriage, Southern girl, do what's right, do it. You know you need to do this, you're young. What if you never meet another man? You never know. You know, and everyone expects you to get married at 18 in Texas, so you might as well just go ahead and do it. You're 21. You might be an old maid pretty soon. You know, so gosh, I got married. I got married, and um, I regretted not being able to go into the Peace Corps. I mean, that was my choice. I did get married instead of doing that, but um, it was, he's, he was a beautiful man, and I really wanted to spend my life with him. And fast forward 10 years later, and my marriage completely fell apart, dissolved, um, infidelity, fraud, you name it, you know, betrayal, everything, and I felt completely um, unraveled and alone and just seriously heartbroken and confused about what the hell I was going to do and why I had become this woman and how I could actually make a difference again for myself, not for everyone else, but just for me. And so I was eating my breakfast one morning at my dining table and drinking my coffee. And all of a sudden, I was sitting there, and this whole wave of a message came to me. And it said, you know, you should go to Africa. You should just go ahead and go to Africa. And I thought, damn right. I'm going to Africa. Like, yeah, tomorrow. And so what I did that afternoon, that entire afternoon, I researched all of these volunteer programs that I could go and spend time at and, you know, however long I could be and what it would cost and where I would be, would it be safe. And every time I spoke with anyone about this trip, um, they were all very worried about me. You're not emotionally stable. Really, you want to go to Africa? You just got a divorce, you know? Um, maybe you're not strong enough to take care of yourself while you're over there. I don't really think that this is a wise decision. Screw it. I did it. I did it. I packed my bags, went and signed up for two months to spend time in a little village outside of Tanzania with a few doctors and some interpreters. And um, I was really excited to pack my bag for this trip because it was my first solo trip ever. Um, I was excited about the adventure. I was scared to death about um, doing something wrong, but I didn't care. I was going. So I packed my backpack and got on the flight and flew overseas, and um, that was a, that's a story in itself, but I won't go there. But um, get to Africa, fly into Tanzania about 11.30 at night, and this beautiful man with this white smile and dark, dark skin and um, black as the night came to pick me up and sent me to his car and said, get in, I'm going to take you to the village. And I was like, okay. You know, so I just trusted him and I landed in the village and that was all right. And um, they escorted me to my hut and the huts are really packed with mud and the doors are bamboo and willowy. 
and the floors are dirt, and the cot where I would be sleeping was about six inches off of the ground, um, canvas and um, sticks, and then I had a chair. And so everything was going well. I loved my hut, I loved my community. Um, we had worked really, really hard one day, and I went to bed early. But then I was awoken in the middle of the night by my door creaking, and I was like, well, what's going on? And I, I kind of looked up and I said, is everything okay? And this huge black figure in my doorway, when the sun was coming, the sun, the moon was coming in, and I could see him perfectly in the doorway, and he's just huge, filling my entire doorway. And I said, is everything okay? And he's like, shh. And I was like, oh, God. This is about to, this is a game changer, a game changer. And he's like, shh. He did it like two more times. I'm like, man, I am not going to scream. I'm not going to do anything here. Like, just take care of what you need to take care of. And he comes into my hut with all of his body, because he was only halfway in. And he comes into my hut with the torch that he was carrying. And he said, shh, one more time. And I was like, I, I swear I'm not doing anything. And then he said, shh, one more. And then he points down. And he puts his torch down with his finger as he goes to the ground. And at that point, I wanted to scream. Because on my floor, right underneath my cot, were multicolored snakes braided into each other, slithering, and just taking over my hut. And I, was, I literally wanted to scream at that very moment, but I didn't. And he walked across them, and he leaned over to light my torch. And here I was thinking he was coming in to do harm. And I felt so ashamed of myself at that time. And he left, not without saying in his broken African English, he's like, you okay? And I said, yeah, and I just nodded my head yes. But when he walked out the door, I just wept. I wept as much as I could because I was ashamed of myself, ashamed of my southern thoughts, ashamed of all that bullshit that everyone says, you're not emotionally stable, you can't physically protect yourself. BS, it's okay. And that man was not coming in to hurt me. He was coming in to light my torch. And so that very moment, sitting on my cot weeping, I thought, you know what? I will never let anyone blow my torch out again. I will keep it lit forever, and I will not be afraid to let someone help me light it. Thank you. Thanks, Carson, for telling that story. If you want to hear a little bit more, stick around for the outtakes at the end of this podcast. To hear more stories like this one, subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, where you can also leave your comments and share the stories with your friends. If you want to pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives live storytelling event, go to ravennarratives.org and fill out the form on the contact page. You can also see a photo gallery of our storytellers and find out what the themes will be at upcoming events. The Raven Narratives is a production of KSJD Community Radio in Cortez, Colorado. Find out more at ksjd.org. Special thanks goes to our sound engineering wizard, Mike McAllister, for his technical expertise in recording and mixing the Raven narrative stories told at the Sunflower Theater. Support for the Raven Narratives comes from Red Scarf Shots Photography Studio in Durango, Colorado. Find out more at redscarfshots.com. Now for an outtake.
<laughs> it was really symbolic for me because I laid there with that torch going and I was on that cot thinking, I mean, I was in te- I was bawling my head off, of course. And so seeing him that next morning, I mean, it's not okay just to go up and hug people, but I didn't give a shit. I was like, I went, cause I knew exactly who it was. And I ran up to him and I looked at him in the face and I just said, thank you so much. And um, I hugged him and he had like little tears on his face. Uh, and I was like, you know what, I uh, thank you so much. And he was like my protector of anything for the rest of my time there.